We're continuing our series, I Connect. This is part two of I Connect, and the subtitle is A Community That's Right. I Connect, a community that's right. Because we know that moving forward in this life and moving forward through this season, our community, who we connect with, is going to be very important. So last week we talked about a community of light, and we've got to have light if we're in fellowship with God. The Bible says that he is light, and him there's no darkness at all, so we got to have light so that we can see who we are, but more importantly, that we can see who he is, and that he's the cure for all that we are not, all that ails us. Christ is our cure. So we got to be connected to a community of light. Don't have people around you that aren't used to the light, they're not willing to walk in the light, not willing to walk in the truth, but we've got to have a community of light. And today I'm excited because we're going to pick up on righteousness. It's a community that is right. Well, you get your Bible, we're going to go to the book of 1 John chapter number 1. I'm sorry, 1 John chapter number 2. And we're going to begin at verse number 1. We've talked about our core uh, book for this series will be 1 John. We'll be looking at some other scriptures as well, but John gives us some very good insight to what our community ought to be like, what a true fellowship looks like. We're going to go to 1 John chapter 2, and then we're going to go to 1 John chapter number 3. 1 John chapter 2, beginning at verse number 1, we find these words. It says, My children, these things I write to you, so that you may not sin. And if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father. Jesus Christ, the righteous. And he himself is the propitiation for our sins, and not for our sins only, but also for the whole world. Go over chapter number three. We'll begin at verse number four. And John continues, he said, Whoever commits sin also commits lawlessness, and sin is lawlessness. And you know that he was manifested to take away our sins, Whoever sins has neither seen him nor known him. Amen to the reading of God's word. A community that's right. We looked last week and understood that there were some false teachers who came in to, to the brethren, who came in to the believers and were teaching some things that were not right. That's why John's writing this book. He's like, if you want to know what true fellowship is, what true community is, I got to set some things straight for you. And he goes and to deal with these false teachers because they were saying that they didn't know any sin, that they were sinless, or the idea that what I did in my body had no impact on my spiritual life. And we even hear some of that type of teaching today that we can kind of do whatever we want to do and live how we want to live, and it has no impact on our life. But John is like, let me, let me tell you something. That's just not the truth, see, because there's nobody that walks around with no sin. That's why John, 1 John 1 and 8, he says this, if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. In other words, if you think and say that you haven't sinned, you're a liar. Let's just go ahead and put it out there that I don't care who you are, whether you're a bishop, whether you're the elder, whether you're deacon, I don't care how long you've been in the church. If you try to assume that you have not sinned and you do not sin, you're lying. You're telling, not telling the truth. This is what he said. Then he goes on to say this. He said that we confess our sins. <laughs> he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Many of us in the church, we know that because we know that we messed up and we've fallen short. 
Then he goes on to say this. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. In other words, he's saying to even suggest that we don't sin or we have no iniquity within us at all, we're actually making a mockery or making a shame. It's an insult into the atoning work of Jesus Christ. If you've been reading and you know to grow, we understand that Jesus paid the price for our sin, and he prayed, paid it fully for us. So to even suggest that Jesus didn't even have to die for me because I had no sin, it's an insult to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So our point number one that we want to make is our community is with people who are not perfect. We got to accept the fact that we're dealing with people who are not perfect. Newsflash, I am not perfect. My wife will testify, my children will testify that I am not perfect. But then also the newsflash is you're not perfect either. None of us are perfect. The only person that was perfect was Jesus Christ himself. That's why 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, he who knew no sin, he's talking about Jesus, not talking about me, but talking about Jesus. He who knew no sin became sin so that we could be the righteousness of God. We've got to understand that every soul, every person is in need of mercy. Anybody know what I'm talking about today? We need the mercy of God. We need God to not give us what we deserve. Our sin deserved death, so we need the mercy of God not to kill us right where we are. We need the grace of God, the God to give us what we don't deserve. Grace is often said it's God's riches at Christ's expense. And I'm so grateful for God's grace today that he didn't give me what I deserve, which is mercy, but he enables me to be because of his grace. He gives me what I don't deserve. We all need mercy. We all need grace, every single person. So our community is filled with people who are not perfect. It's good revelation for us because we can't be like these false teachers walking around thinking that we're perfect because we're not. I don't know about you, but if you've ever tried to be in a relationship with somebody who is never wrong, it, it, it can be a hard way to go. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Don't, don't look at your spouse or don't look at your children. Come on now. I'm not trying to get you in trouble today, but I'm just telling you, being in a relationship with somebody who's never wrong, I mean, they're never wrong. I don't care how wrong. It's obvious they're wrong, but they still act like they're never wrong. You cannot have a community with people who don't realize that I need grace. You can't have a community where people don't realize that I need to be forgiven, that I need to repent, because we all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Only Jesus Christ himself is our perfect righteousness. Let's talk about what sin is. The Bible says sin, it, it, it's lawlessness, or it's purposely disobeying the rules of God, or lawlessness, or missing the mark. It comes from an arch, a word used in archery where you take a bow and arrow and you shoot the arrow towards the mark. And to sin means that I missed the mark. I, I didn't land on, on the sheet. I didn't land on the, air, the, the, the point where I was supposed to be. And when we miss the mark with God, that is sin. When we disobey his rules purposely and do against what he asked for us to do, we're missing the mark. And we've got to also accept today that when we miss the mark, we don't just miss the mark to God, but we actually hurt ourselves. Sin hurts us because God's purpose, God's mark, God's law is to protect us, to value us, to allow us to be all we've been created to be. And so when we miss the mark and we do that intentionally, we do that to our own detriment. Point we need to make here is that sin puts stress on the community and can ultimately destroy it. Sin puts stress on the community and can ultimately destroy it. You might not understand what I'm saying, but let's just go for example that you allow somebody in your community 
a, a friend, a, a neighbor, or whatever, who may need some place to stay, you allow them to come stay in your home. You open up your house to them to give them something to eat, to give them uh, some warmth or whatever it may be, and then come to find out that they're stealing from you. So that when, when you're gone, they're stealing from you. And they take your social security number, right? They take your social security number, and they go get some credit cards and some things in your name. And they start racking up some debt in your name. They start buying a car in your name. What's going to happen to your community? You, you, that was your cousin. That was your, your friend or your neighbor. And then they did this to you. Sin happened. Guess what happened to your community? I guarantee you, you do that to me, there's going to be some stress. <laughs> I guarantee you do that to me, there's going to be some issues on this community. Because I did something great for you, but you sinned against me. Sin put stress on the community. That's what happened with Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve had a great relationship with God when they were in the garden. Everything was perfect until sin came in the world. And one day in Genesis chapter 3, the Bible says that God came looking for them and said, where are you? But the Bible says they hid themselves. Why? Because they heard him coming, right? And so they hid themselves. And God knew right away. He said, what happened? Did you eat of the, 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 the fruit that I told you not to eat of? See, because sin causes stress. And we have that in our own community. You have a community of faith, and sometimes you haven't seen a person in a while. And oftentimes, the reason why you haven't seen a person in a while is because sin is the culprit of that. Some things are going on in their life. Maybe they got uh, are ashamed of something. Maybe they were in a bad relationship that didn't work out right, so they don't want to come back anymore. You know what I'm talking about. The sister or the brother that was all around all the time, but then one day something happens, they start disappearing. Because oftentimes, sin has been in the camp. And even when you watch a show like Fatal Attraction, I like to watch, you know, Fatal Attraction, uh, somebody beats somebody, then something goes wrong, and we want to call the police and file a missing persons report. But most of the time, the person ain't missing, the person's dead. Because somebody in the community <laughs> done sinned against them. Somebody done put them six feet under. They didn't walk out on their own, and that happens sometimes. We walk out on our own because we just want to get away from stuff. But typically, that's sin too. But oftentimes, the community, when sin comes into the community, something's going to go wrong. And we got to understand, as believers, that sin still troubles the believer from time to time, but it does not define our lives. We've got to understand that. Here's what John is saying. He's like, everybody sins. But he's not trying to teach perfectionism that nobody, once we get saved, that nobody ever messes up. Come on, somebody. I messed up earlier today. <laughs> I'm going to tell you that right now. I already messed up. And it ain't but so many hours are already passed. We have all have messed up. He's not teaching perfectionism. That's not what he's trying to say, that if you're a believer, you're perfect. So stop trying to have a community that wants to hold people that you're always going to be perfect. Because the reality is, sin will get to the believer from time to time. We can just be truthful. We can take off the mask. You ain't got any makeup on anyway. Let's not even pretend. We all mess up from time to time. We all stumble from time to time. There may be even seasons in our life where we're struggling with some stuff. But he tells us that, listen, if you are a believer, sin should not be a part of what you want to do. Because when we're walking in the community of light and the community of truth, we can see right from wrong. And so we got to understand that in our community, when you have a community of people around you, you need people around you that are going to accept right from wrong. You can't have people around you that are going to have blurry lines and they'll never admit that something is actually wrong. Listen, you stole that person's identity. Guess what? That's wrong. I, I, I don't, we got to have a community that's willing to accept right from wrong because I can see it. 
Come on now, when we were in sin, sometimes we were blinded to the fact, hey, if I'm cheating on you with somebody else, I didn't even care about it because I couldn't even see that I was wrong. As long as I was satisfied with it, everything's good. But when you come into the light, you got to be able to see that, hey, stealing is wrong. I got to be able to see that, hey, jealousy is wrong. I got to be able to see that envy is wrong and, and be able to distinguish between right from wrong. We got to have a community that understands and sees right from wrong. We don't got to be condemned by it. We don't have to put ourselves down by it and beat ourselves up over it, but we can't make excuses for it either. And this is what John is talking about. When you become a believer, you should sin less. Not that you're sinless at all, but our sin should actually be less because the desire to sin, the seed for what our desire to sin, should be replaced with the desire to be righteous in God. Am I talking to anybody? In the church, we don't talk about this often, but this is one of the things that erodes our community. We struggle to make progress because our community dissolves because of sin. And I'm tired of sin destroying my community. I want a community that's right. Paul goes on to say in 2 Corinthians chapter 13, number 5, he tells them, listen, I've written to you about these issues many times. So at this point, you better examine yourself to see whether you're in the faith. Because if we can just keep on sinning, see, and John's talking about not just one sin, but when we accept sin as being good and accept sin as being okay and just keep on sinning, he says, well, you better examine yourself whether you need to be in the faith. <laughs> he doesn't say you got to get somebody else to look at you. He ain't say you got to go to the sin doctor. He ain't say you got to go to the priest and get in a little booth and try to confess. No, he just said, just take a look at yourself <laughs> to determine that if sin is still your modus operandi, if sin is still what you do, you got to examine to see whether you're in the faith at all. And this is what he's telling us, that we got to have a community must ha hate sin and embrace righteousness. That's my next major point is our community must hate sin and embrace righteousness. And so I'm here to encourage us that we've got to understand that from the book of Numbers, it tells us your sin will find you out. <laughs> I got any witnesses. You know what I'm talking about? You thought you got away with it. Uh, you thought... <laughs> You thought that mama wasn't going to find out what you did. You thought that daddy wasn't going to find out. And it could have been a week later, it could have been months later, or it could have been a few years later, but your sin will find you out. And we got to realize that today, that sin will come up. That's why we got to be able to confess our sin and move away from it, because our sin will find us out. And then James, he says this, he says, sin when it is fully grown <laughs> will lead to death. That sin can linger around for a while, but when you let it grow, when you let it fester, when it becomes mature, guess what? Something's about to die. That's why we got to look at our community and say, you know what? I got to have a community of people that want to be righteous, the people that are doing right. I know that when I see, saw friends back in college, it was a struggle because you going out getting drunk all the time. Everybody know, know what I'm talking about? You got that friend that's always drunk, and then you got to go look after them. You got to make sure that they can drive, get home. So you got to get up 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning, make sure they're okay. Am I talking to anybody? You got your female friend. You want to make sure that nothing happens to them, that they don't get sexually assaulted. But now you got to go and help them, and you got all kinds of drama because of what they're doing. It puts stress on you. You know what I'm talking about? When you have that friend that's always got something to say, Anybody got one of friends that I talk, always got something to say? You in a crowd of people, there's some big dudes, and all of a sudden your friend going to start talking, he going to have mouth, and the next thing you know, you going, am I going to have to go to blows with some people? These some 250-pound dudes, they stack, they're ready to punch, but you in a situation now because your friend just won't shut his mouth. 
It don't matter what happens. Something's always going to be an issue. I'm talking to somebody today. You got that type of friend, it doesn't matter what you do. Something's always going to be an issue. Somebody shirt the wrong color. Somebody looked at them the right way. Somebody was driving the wrong car. And the next thing you know, there's always going to be some type of drama. Am I talking to somebody? You always got to be putting out somebody's drama. They always getting in you into trouble, saying something, whether they're on Facebook, whether they're on social media, whatever. They're always starting trouble. And I, I'm tired of dealing with all the drama, all your issues that you keep bringing up because you won't stop sinning. You know what I'm talking about. But we got to have a community who say, no more. I ain't doing that no more. We got to have a generation that say, you know what? I'm not doing that, girl. You better get your act together. I know you ain't perfect. I'm not telling you to be perfect. But you got to get yourself together because I'm tired of all this drama that you're bringing to me. You're stressing my family out. You're stressing my community out. And we ain't going to be able to be friends much longer if you keep doing what you're doing. We got to realize this. We got to have a community that's willing to do what's right. Many of us are stressed out because we're hanging with folk that just keep doing the wrong things over and over and over again, and we're frustrated. We can't get to where we want to go because we keep hanging with people that are doing the wrong thing. You say, Pastor Tony, this sounds like a mess because my community, I'm trying to get it right, but everybody around me not perfect. I understand that. But there's good news. It's called the gospel. I want us to hear this, that Jesus is the answer. See, the Bible says, he says here in the text, John says that Jesus is the propitiation for our sin. In other words, that Jesus is the answer for our sin. He's the solution for our sin. In other words, that when we sinned, we were separated from God. The Bible says that we were enemies of God at that time because God was upset with us, the sin that was in our life. But the Bible said that Jesus who knew no sin became sin for us, that we could be his righteousness. In other words, that Jesus was uh, sacrificed on the cross and God accepted his sacrifice. God said, yep, I'll accept that. God said, yep, that's the perfect sacrifice. And so we are no longer bound by sin because of what Jesus did. He was accepted. He uh, appeased God. He was satisfactory before God. And he says this, the, the writer John says, he died for our sins, but not our sins only, but the sins of the whole world. And I want to clarify something for us today. Oftentimes, we, we hear it said that Jesus died for everybody. And I know it can be kind of controversial at times, but Jesus didn't die for everybody. Because when you look at the whole scripture in its entirety, he says for, there's a place of death for those who practice sin. In other words, everybody's not going to be saved. Jesus' sacrifice didn't cover everybody. His sacrifice covered those who put their faith in him and those who he redeemed to himself. And so what he, the author is saying is that, that, that God not only has a Jewish believer, but God has uh, Gentile believers. God has believers in every place, all over the, the entire world. That's why he says he died for the world, not just every single person in the world, but there's nothing that restricts me from the salvation of God. And I'm glad about that today. Just because I'm a black man doesn't mean I'm restricted from the salvation of God. Just because you're a black woman or a white woman or a Hispanic person doesn't restrict you. God will redeem you from whoever you are through all parts of the world because red, yellow, black, and white, he redeems those who put their faith in him. You say, Pastor Tony, well, th this is kind of deep. And yeah, it's deep because John wants to set the record straight. If you want to have community, you got to understand that Jesus has done a few things. Number one, he's taken away the guilt of sin. <laughs> oh, my God. I, I, I'm so excited about that because when you sin, 
you feel guilty. I, I don't know. You should. If you're a believer, when you, when you mess up, you, should, you feel kind of guilty about it. But God doesn't want us to be con condemned about it. He doesn't want us to beat ourselves up about it. He wants it to be like, like when you dated somebody for a while and you broke up with them. You know, at, at first, you didn't want to be around them anymore. When they showed up, you, you wanted to go in the opposite direction because you kind of had that awkward feeling, you know. Y'all used to be together for two years, but now you're not together anymore. And it had kind of an awkward type of, of feeling. You didn't, it was uncomfortable. But after a while, you can just get comfortable with it because you're over them. You know what I'm saying? That, that you've done moved on. You, you passed the emotion of them. You're past them now. God bless them. Let them do whatever they're going to do. You've moved on. And that's how it is with sin. Sin, sin is still present, but I don't have to feel awkward because I've moved on. I've I, I moved on to righteousness. And even though I know you're still there, even though I know you still try to woo me and try to bring me in, but guess what? I've moved on. That's what it is. We don't have to have the guilt of sin anymore. Number two, the power of sin has been broken. I, I've got good news for somebody today that, that the power of sin has been broken. And I don't know if you've ever been in a place where you've been in despair and been in sin, but it seems like sometimes you say to yourself, I can never get out of this thing. This habit that I got, this hang-up that I got, I can't get out of this thing. I can't see my way out. But guess what? The power of sin is broken. The devil is a liar. You can get out of any situation through Jesus Christ. The power of sin not will be broken, but has already been broken. Don't fall for the lie that you're stuck. Don't fall for the lie that you're trapped. Don't fall for the lie that it will never get better than this. You've got to realize that the power of sin has already been broken. And I like number three, where it says here, Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. In other words, he was manifested to destroy the works of the devil. And, and we have to understand it like this. Jesus has already won the victory. And even though sin is still present, we know that, but he's already won the victory over sin. And he's going to consummate that victory when he comes back the second time. But don't be deceived. It's already won. The devil is not greater than who God is. Greater is he that's in you than he that is in the world. So we can defeat the devil because he's already been defeated. We're going against an enemy that's already been beaten. We don't have to stay down, but we have the victory in Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is our advocate. He is our advocate. So when we mess up, guess what? We have an advocate. That's what he says here. We have a defense attorney. <laughs> we have an advocate who speaks on our behalf. Yes, she messed up, but Jesus says, but I died, Father. <laughs> I gave my blood for that. Yes, she's sinning. Yes, he's messing up, but guess what? She put her faith in me, and guess what? I was the sacrifice for her. We have an advocate. That's great news for somebody today that we don't have to go in there by ourselves, that God, Jesus is already pleading on our behalf. He's already covering us. He's already got the defense strategy already won more than 2,000 years ago, that we don't have to worry about how we're going to defend ourselves. But our defense is Jesus Christ himself. He is our advocate. So it brings me to my next major point, is that our community must be one of accountability. <laughs> we got to be accountable. Guess what? When Jesus advocates for us, he's not trying to say that we're not guilty. He said, yeah, they're guilty, but I already paid the price. In other words, he's accountable. And we got to understand that we can't have a community that's not accountable. I'm tired of, of having people in, in my circle that are not accountable. Guess what? It, 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 you can't be held accountable by people. You know what people say? 
hold me accountable for this. That's your accountability group. That's your community. I want you to hold me accountable. But guess what? You can't hold people accountable who don't want to be held accountable their own self. <laughs> Have you ever tried to hold somebody accountable that doesn't want to be held accountable? It don't, they're going to keep doing what they want to do anyway, and I don't care how accountable you try to hold them. But until you want to be held accountable, and this is who I'm talking to, I'm talking to somebody that says, I want to be held accountable. I want to be righteous in God's sight. Then the community can help you to be accountable. But until you want to, until you realize that Jesus was accountable, he was accountable all the way to the cross. He accounted for the people that God gave him. He accounted for the sacrifice he had to make. And he's still accountable for interceding for you and I. He was accountable, so we ought to also be accountable. And when we want to be accountable, we can be held accountable to a community that is righteous. That's why our community must be one of accountability. I hear you saying today, Pastor Tony, you're going deep with this, this thing about righteousness and community. You know, it's kind of tough, but it's important because we're going to get out of this. Listen, the COVID-19 issue isn't just the issue. It's that God is allowing us a space and time for us to be able to, to, to reset ourselves. And many of us have been frustrated. And one of the things that when you're frustrated, frustration happens or starts for one of two reasons. Number one reason why we're frustrated is because we don't know the right thing to do. When you don't know the right thing to do, you can get frustrated. You know, I'm a trying to do it myself type of guy at home. I, I don't want to call the plumber. I want to do it myself. And oftentimes, guess what? I get frustrated. <laughs> Why? Because I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> when I don't know what the right thing to do is, I get frustrated because I'm going the wrong direction. I'm barking up the wrong tree, and I'm not getting the results that I'm looking for. And when I do that, I get frustrated. The second reason we get frustrated is because we have no clarity. There's a lack of clarity. I don't know why I'm even doing what I'm doing. And am I talking to somebody? You're in a relationship, but you don't even know why you're in that relationship. You're in a group. You don't even know why you're in that group. You're in a school. You're in a class, but you don't know why you're in that class. And you get frustrated. When there's no clarity, it brings about frustration. But John is writing here because he's saying, I don't want you to be frustrated, believers. I don't want you to be hoodwinked. I don't want you to be bamboozled. I don't want you to waste your precious time and waste your precious energy on some false doctrine and some false people and a fake community that's not going to get you to where you need to go. I'm trying to make sure that you're not frustrated. And he goes on to say this and remind us that a community that's right, see, the children reflect their parents. Children reflect their parents. And so the reality is, my children, whether they like it or not, they're going to have some stuff that I got. They're going to have either my ears, they're going to have my big bugged eyes, they're going to have my nose, or whatever the case may be. Why? Because they're my children. I don't need a DNA test. I can look at them and tell them they are my children, right, because they look like me. And even with children, sometimes their personality looks like you. Sometimes we get frustrated at our children because they're acting just like us. <laughs> I, can I, come on, can I get an honest parent today? You're frustrated at your child because they're acting just like you. And you know how frustrated you are with your own self, and you get frustrated with them. Because the reality is children are a reflection of their parents. And so what John is saying is that if we are a child of our father, and our father is righteous, then guess what? We ought to be righteous. <laughs> because if we're not righteous, then maybe he ain't our daddy. Come on, somebody. Do you know who your daddy is? If your daddy is the righteous father, we ought to look 
righteous and act righteous and be righteous. And that's what he's trying to say. He's trying to heal us of our frustration. And Jesus has already positionally made us righteous. Because Jesus died on the cross, we are positionally righteous. We are right in God. But Pastor Tony, I messed up yesterday. But guess what? If your faith is in Jesus, you're righteous. You are in God. He's already positionally made you righteous. And so I'm excited about that because we got a young adult ministry. For those who don't know, young adults are, are booming. They're, 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 they're growing. And I'm excited about what God is doing in their lives. And I told him a couple of weeks ago, y'all don't have a name yet. God will give you all a name or whatever you're going to be. But I call y'all right direction. I call you right direction because there needs to be a generation of people that are committed to heading in the right direction. And I'm telling you today that you need a community around you of people that are willing to head in the right direction. I'm tired of going the wrong way. I'm tired of wasting energy on not being clear. I'm tired of wasting energy on being confused. I'm tired of wasting energy with people who don't want to do the right thing. It's sucking the life out of you when you're hanging around people who refuse to do the right thing. It kills you, and I'm tired of that. In this season of my life, I'm not hanging around folk that want to do the wrong thing, that want to stay broken, that want to stay busted, that want to stay disgusted, that want to stay in sin. No, I got to be going in the right direction. We got to have a community that should aspire to righteousness, which is pleasing to God. We got to have a community that wants to be right in God. When we see sin, it ought to break our heart. When we see sin, we ought to be disgusted, not with people. Listen, we don't have to be disgusted with people, but I'm disgusted with sin. I'm tired of, of, of stuff just coming into my situation and destroying it. I'm tired of it messing up my family. I'm tired of it messing up my community. I'm tired of saying we got to hate sin and go after righteousness. That's why in Ephesians chapter 5, the, the writer Paul says that you were once in darkness, but now you're in light. So you got to walk as children of light. Then he goes on to say this, but the fruit of the Spirit is, is truth, it's, it's, it's love, it's, it's righteousness. And then in verse 10, this is the part that I really love. He says that you got to look to see what is acceptable to the Lord. And we got to have a generation today that wants to look and see what, what is actually acceptable to the Lord. So I got to actually take some time. I got to be like the Bereans in Acts chapter 17. Is that I just can't listen to Pastor Tony or listen to Pastor Joe Blow and, and just take their word for it. But I got to get my own Bible out and find out for myself what God says is righteous. I got to go into the scripture and when I want to look at my sexuality, I got to look at what God says is righteous. I, I got to go into the scripture when I'm dealing with my money because my money's kind of funny right now. I'm kind of low on some funds. I, I've been mismanaging some things, but I got to look in scripture to find out what's acceptable to the Lord. When it comes to my attitude towards my spouse, guess what? I got to look in the Bible. I can't look on television. I can't look Dr. Phil and Oprah and all those people. Love them. God bless them. But I got to find out what God accepts. I can't just look at what other people are saying. I got to say, God, what do you expect of me? As a child coming up in my household, what does God expect of me? As a husband in my household, what does God expect of me? As a church member in my church, even though we're doing church virtually, what does God expect of me? I got to look and see, find out what's acceptable to the Lord. And we got to have a community of people that ain't worried about everybody else, but they're looking to find out what is acceptable to the Lord. And I'm closing here, but I just want to deliver, see somebody delivered today from frustration and, and anxiety about all this stuff that's going on in your life. And I'm here to tell you that you got to connect 
to the right community. Because when you find out a community that's going in righteousness, you realize a couple of things that's happening in your life. You realize that, A, you are forgiven. And so I'm ministering to somebody today that you may have been struggling in some sin in this situation in your life, but guess what? If you confess your sin, the Bible's still true. He's faithful and just to forgive you of sin and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Guess what, my brother? You are forgiven. Guess what, my sister? You are forgiven. But guess what? There's more than that. There's clarity. You're not just forgiven, but you're redeemed. God has redeemed you. You're not lost. You're not broken. You're not abandoned. You're not forgotten, but you have been redeemed. You've been bought with a price. The blood of Jesus has purchased you. You're valuable. You're worth something. Somebody like myself, I love you. The church will love you because we all broke up. We all had to be redeemed. It's not, it's not just you, but it's me too. I have to be redeemed. And I've been redeemed in the blood of Jesus Christ. And I got clarity on that thing now. I'm no longer waffling in that thing, but I am redeemed. Somebody say, I am redeemed today. But not only am I redeemed, but I'm also free. I got a freedom to, to love my God. I'm not bound in sin anymore. I don't have to be held up. I, I'm not tricked to thinking that I can't move. I'm always reminded of that story of, of, of an elephant, that how you tame an elephant is you, you put a rope on his leg and you keep him there. And every time he tries to move, he gets stuck. And after a while, in his psyche, he realizes I can't move, and so he stops trying to move. That's how you tame them. And many of us have been just like that elephant. Sin has had us bound for so long that we, we think that we can't move. <laughs> we think that we can't stop doing what we're doing. We think that we can't go, but the devil is a liar. Sin has been broken, and I am free. Not only am I redeemed, but I'm free, but I'm free to worship God. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I'm free to magnify my Lord. I'm free to give him honor, to give him praise. I'm free to serve because I am free. We're salt and light. We're a community that's right. And I'm wrapping up, but I just want us to understand, you got to have a community around you that's going to be right. You got to have husbands that say, hey, hey, family, we're going to do this the right way. <laughs> I, I know we might have been doing some things the wrong way, but brothers, lead your family. We got to do this the right way. You got to have uh, friend groups. Listen, I'm telling you, in this season, stop having friends around you that ain't do the only thing that they're doing is sucking the life out of you with their sin. I'm telling you, it's not that you got to hate them, but you got to let them know up front. Listen, if you're going to be in community with me, we're going to do this the right way. We're going in the right direction. I'm tired of going the wrong way. I'm tired of being confused. We're going to do this the right way. In your business, guess what? Do it the right way. <laughs> in your business, do it the right way. We're not going the wrong way. We're going to be righteous. We're going to be above the ground, but we're going to do things the right way. And all things, we're going to have a community that is right because a community that is right will get to where God is taking it to be. A community that is right will live the life that God wants us. And this is what John is saying. He's like, you got to have a community of righteous. Sin can't define us, but we've got to separate ourselves. Not in ourselves. Nobody's perfect. Nobody's perfect. But we've got to want to be a community that's right. A community that's right. We're closing today, and I'm excited about this word. It's a strong word, but it's motivating me because I know in some areas of my life I haven't been right. And God is doing a great work in me because I want to be all that God has called me to be. And I need people around me that are going in the right direction. I don't want people around me telling me to do the wrong thing for the wrong reasons. 
People are pushing for all kinds of stuff. Open up the church. You got to get stuff. You got to get, no, 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 no. We got to do what's right. Do the right thing. And it's sometimes it's tough being by yourself. But I'm here to tell us we don't have to be alone because we can have a community that does what's right. Do right by each other. Not backstab each other. Not tear our own families up. But a community that's going to do the right thing. Not friends that are jealous of each other, tearing each other down. No, friends that build each other up. Go on, girl. Keep going. I got your back. Go on, boy. Do your thing. I got your back. But we're doing this thing the right way. No, stop cheating. Stop cheating. Do it the right way. Trust God in the righteous thing. Trust him. Trust him. I want to reach out to somebody that may not know Jesus in this moment. If you've heard this message about this Jesus who came to deliver you from sin, and you're looking for a community of righteousness, you want to give your life to Jesus, just say this simple prayer. Just say, Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner. I need to be saved. And I believe that you died for me to become my righteousness. And I want to accept you as Lord of my life. Come into my life today, and I will follow you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. If you've given your life to the Lord, reach out to us. Let us know. The information is on the screen. If there's somebody here that wants to be saved, you want to give your life to the Lord for the very first time, or you want to join this church, Somebody out there saying, I've been following, I've been watching, I want to join this church even in this space. If that is you, we want you to reach out to us. The information is on the screen. You are loved. God loves you. During this COVID season, we're getting through it together. And there is a church home. There is a community of light and a community that's right. And it's here. We're not perfect, but we're looking to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Community. Community, you need community. You need community. You need community. Two other things we need to do today. We're going to take communion, so we're going to do that now, then we'll follow up with our offering. So if you can get your communion together, it's Fourth Sunday. I know we're not here together, but we still want to make sure we're connected in communion with our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and with each other. Get your communion at this time.